internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That, 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 that don't kill me. Can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now. Cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now. Cause I can't get much stronger. This is my time. Sports on the Voice America Network. Whenever you hear that music, you know, that's just a song that I like. I appreciate the fact that, you know, the guys make it available for me. And uh, I've been waiting a very long time. I always wait a week at least, you know, but uh, it's a good day in the Valley. I hope all of those out there are listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network are enjoying themselves. It's certainly beautiful here in the Valley, and I would imagine the rest of the country is just very envious. Like those guys who were hoping and wishing and praying that their teams would be in the Final Four. Nah, not going to happen. You know, there can only be, um, there's only room for four. You know, there's only room for four, and uh, there are a lot of disappointed people out there right now. You know, uh, although uh, I think this is probably perhaps if you would look at the um, the teams that are actually uh, still on the board to play, uh, probably has been as close as they've ever been uh, to getting it right. You know, and uh, and I've got to admit, you know, this is supposed to be about football, but I want to talk a little bit about basketball because I, I think most of you may know I'm a frustrated basketball player in my heart. Uh, I, I was a basketball player. Football was something that I did it was my plan B. And I used to say, as I've probably told many of you who are listening to me, that, you know, I used to tell people I wasn't tall enough and, and until, you know, a guy like Spud Webb just said you can no longer use that as an excuse. And, you know, fact of the matter, I just wasn't good enough. But that didn't change my heart. And uh, right now, you know, my heart is kind of, my heart is kind of torn right now because what happens as, as these things happen and, and they, you know, they fall into place and the final four teams are there on the board. You know, there are many times as as a former athlete that you, you might find yourself, you know, rooting for one team or another because of some affiliation, you know. And then there are other times where, you know, you're rooting for a team because you have friends. And in this particular case with me, you know, I'm I'm torn. You know, I got uh, UConn out there, big up the big Earl, uh, Earl Edwards, former Cleveland Browns football player, has a has a son out there, and uh, Gavin has been having a, a good tournament and uh, been doing a very good job, and, uh, you know, because of his efforts and the rest of, uh, you know, the UConn team, uh, they found themselves in the Final Four. So, of course, I want to root for Big Earl and Gavin, you know. But um, then again, you know, I'm born and raised in Canton, Ohio. And, and any time that somebody from Canton, Ohio is on the national spotlight, we all support them. Now, even if they make a mistake and somehow find themselves somewhat lost in that state up north, we st- we still support them. So, uh, big shout out, to Curl, and uh, Raymar, Raymar Morgan at Michigan State. Uh, you know, fighting his way through. You know, Raymar's been through a battle all year. Been sick, 
um, fighting off God only knows what. You know, they've been trying to find out exactly what's been wrong with the young man, uh, losing weight, um, and, and then a broken nose. But come on, how many people honestly, how many people honestly thought that Michigan State was going to beat Louisville? Well, I'm from Canton, Ohio, so I, I've been with Raymar the whole, you know, the whole time. So I, I was going for Michigan State. But there are many people out there that did not think the number one seed, Louisville, would be upset, thought they would come out of that bracket. Uh, but, hey, uh, Michigan State is, is, is definitely going to do it. Now, uh, you know, the fact that Connecticut came out, uh, I don't think that's really surprising to many people, you know, um, the fashion which they, they've been playing this entire tournament. Um, they look very good. They look very good, and and these these final two games, uh, I mean, they are very good matchups. You know, Villanova spending you know twenty some odd years on the East Coast, uh, right outside the city of brotherly love. You know, playing for the Eagles for so many years. Of course, of course, I've been uh, following Villanova, and. Uh, and supporting that, you know, that team for many years, you know, and, and wanting to see them do well. And, uh, you know, they beat a good Duke team. And uh, a good friend of mine out there, Gerald Henderson, you know, Gerald, uh, I saw Gerald on TV, you know, very painfully uh, watching his son get defeated. I mean, that's a terrible thing. You know, you see Gerald feeling uneasy, uh, unable to help his son, and then a couple of days earlier, you see Michael Jordan in tears uh, and jubilation of his team, his son's team, you know, winning the state championship. So the emotions of the parents, and that's that's something that's that's um, it's a different kind of feeling to be a professional athlete and have played at the highest level and to have everything as much as you possibly can be in control, to have things being uh, that at least the results of them being something you had some input in. You can control it. And and now I'm watching, you know, former colleagues, former, you know, still friends, uh, watching painfully sometimes, and then jubilantly sometimes their kids, you know, participating in these sports. And, it, you know, it, it, it's just amazing because uh, I'm, I'm not sure that everybody really understands that when you've done it at the highest level, and you watch your kids struggle through it, it's not easy. It's, it, it, it really is not easy at all. I, I used to, you know, go out and watch the uh, young kids play in these, these little leagues out here, and, and their parents would just lose it. I mean, their parents would get involved in, in everything that was going on, and, and, and many times uh, they, would, uh, they would create more problems in the stands uh, you know, than the kids did. I mean, the parents were, were major problems. Uh, but as a professional athlete, you learn to try to control your emotions and you certainly try not to, you know, make the game any more difficult for for your children, you know, than it has to be. So um, I just, you know, again, just watching my friends go through some, some of those things. And then me, I, not knowing, you know, wow. Connecticut's going to play Michigan State. Do I root for Michigan State? Do I root for Connecticut? You know, I, I'm born and raised. I've known, you know, Raymar's family since I was, you know, fresh out of the womb, you know. And, and Earl's a, a former colleague, you know. So, wow, who do I really root for? But uh, 
I'm going to kind of stay in the middle there. But I know somebody who's going to root for a certain team, and they've already made their mind up, and I think that's Brian. Hey, Brian, you there? Hey, Ray, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How you doing, man? I'm good. You know who I'm rooting for. Oh, I know who you're rooting for. And, and by the way, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this on the air. I did talk to my folks at Fathead today. And uh, you, you've got that uh, you've got that UConn logo coming your way really oh, soon. Oh, that's great! And uh, but I'm I'm just glad you called in. As a matter of fact, I think you may have heard me mention the fact that my good friend Earl Edwards has a son, uh, yeah. Gavin Edwards, uh, who has been a, a contributor to this team. And uh, you know, I think they look they look very good to me. And I'm just curious, Brian, what do you think? I mean, of course, your passion, you know, you're committed to the team, but do you really think they can pull it off? It's looking more and more like it. I mean, I've, I've graduated there in 97. I was a sports writer for a while, so I followed the team as a fan and professionally. And, and i got to admit, in my pool this year, I didn't have them going all the way because at the time, you know, a month ago, I, I was looking at it with, at a team without Dyson. Yeah. And without Dyson, and I just don't think this team was going to be able to make it to the Final Four. And there's a lot of people that thought the same way including Calhoun, even though he didn't really come out and say it. You know, when you lose a player like Dyson, it's hard to expect to be able to go all the way. You but know, and it's, it's interesting you say that because, uh, you know, Brian, you, you sound like me a little bit there. You know, you're, uh, obviously your passion, uh, because of your affiliation with the university, you wanted to see them win. But then again, as a professional, your professional opinion means something to you. Do you find it hard uh, when it comes down to your team being involved with it, to, to give a true opinion, a professional opinion, as opposed to an emotional tie? No, no, I've, I'm used to that now. I mean, when I was uh, still attending the university as a student, I was working as a sports writer for the local school paper uh, and getting paid by USA Today Online and some others. So when I was there, I learned from a very young age that when I'm sitting at the press box or sitting on the, the, the table right on courtside, I'm not able to root for the team. I'm there to be a professional. So it wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Um, but I learned from a very young age that it, to take emotion out of it and just cover the game and look at it objectively and cover the team objectively. So I think I've just been trained to do that. I enjoy it now that I'm no longer working as a sports writer, that I can, I can actually root for the team and I can cheer when they do something. And, and it's more fun now that I'm no longer working as a sports writer. But um, I, I can look at it honestly. And, and when I look at teams, you know, the same thing with North Carolina. I'd love to see UNC versus UConn in the finals. Mm-hmm. And UNC has a very similar situation. They had a key injury, too, to a guard that – Everybody looked at the team, including me, and said, well, without that guard, I don't know if they're going to make it to the Final Four. So I didn't have either of these teams going to the Final Four, and I tend to know a lot about college basketball. So that's, I think, what's great about the sport is even the experts, the quote-unquote experts. It's so funny. If you go back and you look at the tape of all these different sports radio shows and sports shows and you listen to these experts give their predictions, none of them ever really come true. Well, you know, but... You know, I look back, and it's interesting that UConn is here because early in the year, I mean, way through the season, I think they they certainly were ranked, you know, at the top, you know, for a few weeks. And and when I look at UConn, they are a very athletic, very intelligent, very good basketball team. 
So and and similar to a commercial that Magic Johnson has out now, ironically, where he talks about you know when he went down and didn't think that his team was going to win a championship, uh, but they did. Uh, it's interesting that you know you would think that a player goes down at UConn and it's all over. You know, uh, a, a team yeah. consists. Of, I mean, you know this. A team consists of more than one player, and that's an opportunity that another player you don't really. You don't pray for that. You don't hope for that. But you, you, you anticipate that chance for you to get in the lineup and make a big impact. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why I'm looking at this team now, and I think they have a legitimate shot to win because there's certain players on the team. You know, Stanley Robinson, he's become, as I think A.J. Price was quoted saying yesterday, he's become a monster. He wasn't this good last year. No, he wasn't. And you can go down the list. Jeff Adrian, he's... He's always been good, but he's never been this good. Mm-hmm. So now you have a bunch of players who are big, who can also move. And I think that's what makes them the biggest threat, or one of the biggest threats, obviously, in the tournament, because they have guys that are huge that can still run up and down the court with anybody. They can play fast. They can play slow. You know, But there are still some teams, Michigan State, Included, they have some top coaching. They're going to be prepared for it. Hey, Brian, we got music there, man. You've heard my show a few times, so you know when I get that music, I, I, I got to take a break. Just hold on with me. We'll be back on the other side of the music. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back after this break. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. 
every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. back you listen to real sports on voice america network and uh, i got brian on the line hey brian i got another guy i'm gonna ask him to hold uh, so you and i can kind of finish up a little bit yeah, no, uh, no. here um he's he wants to talk to me a little bit i believe about uh, football university tried to get in before on one of my other shows and uh <laughs> we got a little backed up but uh you know before we went to break in particular i, I too uh have looked at uh stanley robinson and just thought he's he's made a tremendous impact uh, on this Connecticut team. Uh, let's look on the other side of bracket. Let, let's look at, uh, on the other side, if you will, you look at uh, Villanova. Yeah. Uh, of, of which uh, I think they were a little under the radar. I mean, did you did you think Villanova would make it as far as they have? I Yeah, I'm not surprised. Okay. Uh, you know, following the Big East, it, it's, a, it's a conference that everybody just beats each other up all season long. Mm-hmm. And they're one of those teams, much like Pittsburgh, you cannot sleep on them. You have to take them seriously. And they are a well-rounded team. And like you said, they're not just one individual. That is a team. And they have heart. They've showed they've been able to pull out games at the end. That's a team you cannot take lightly. So I'm very – these next two games are going to be fantastic. I think the matchups are great. Uh, Ty Lawson seems to be back for UNC. And Coach Williams is going to have them ready. Nova's going to be ready. I mean, Nova's got some real strength. So I, it's going to be close. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams made it to the finals, which is why I think it makes it so much fun to watch. You just Well, I think, I, I think for, for certain, I think early in the year, it, it certainly doesn't surprise anybody that North Carolina's here at the Final Four. I mean, it's, no, no, it's kind of like a given. We kind of expected that perhaps maybe they would be there. But the other three teams, I think, was somewhat of a maybe, a challenge. You know, we didn't know, again, Michigan State, we didn't know that. Perhaps maybe some people going in might have thought Louisville might have come out of that bracket. Right. Uh, you know, Connecticut, I think perhaps maybe some people may have looked, uh, you know, the region they were coming out of, perhaps maybe they might have made it at least to this point. Right. Uh, Michigan State, I think, was a surprise. But going into the final game, um, you know, who do you think, what is your final two teams? What do you think? If uh, well, I said what I'd like to see is UConn Nova, but if or UConn uh, UNC, but who do I think would actually win? Um, this is your professional opinion. You're good. Yeah, professional <laughs> opinion, not my emotional. I would say most likely it'll be UNC Michigan State. Okay. I think. Well, let me ask you. Okay, okay, we we went there. Of the two games, which the better? Which is the better game? The Michigan against UConn or Villanova against North Carolina? I think they're both going to be great. I don't think you can pick a better. I, ho- I hope they are because, you know, there's, there, this tournament of all, I mean, of, over the past decade, I would not say this has, you know, been the most outstanding, you know, tournament in terms of how challenging the games have been. You know, it's probably been one of the more, you know, boring, you know, NC2A tournaments, if you, if you will, you know. Right. 
but until uh, now. certainly not the excitement. Yeah, but and right now, so these games right here for this tournament to be one of which will be remembered decades later. We've got to have some great games these final two games. I think it's going to be. And uh, don't sleep on Nova. Jay Wright might be the coach of the year. Well, you know, one thing about Jay, he, he certainly is the best-dressed coach of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the East Coast right there, he, he's doing it East Coast style. But uh, the man is a very good basketball coach, too. And, I, and I, think, I think his colleagues certainly appreciate that. But before I let you go, there's one thing in my mind that I've got to ask a basketball person this question. $35 million over eight years yeah. to coach at University of Kentucky. Is yeah. that a bit much? I mean, Nick Saban, I mean, now we're starting to see some yeah. salaries here. You know, and, and then you're saying the kids, you know, everything that's going on with the kids being recruited and these runners and these agents, but there's so much money now in, in college sports. Do you think that's fair for a college coach, a non-professional sport, for a person to be paid that kind of money? Well, I think it's a misnomer to say it's a non-professional sport. I think we're all kidding ourselves if we say it's a non-professional sport. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'm there's a lot of money that. in it, and that's the reality of it. And as people have been saying leading up to Calipari, the, probably the biggest job in all of Kentucky is the men's basketball coach. And I'm not surprised that it's $35 million over eight. Because it is the biggest job in Kentucky. That's what they stake their claim on. And, and Kentucky men's basketball has not been the same for several years now. And that's hurt the state, not just the school. It hurts the state. And I know that's kind of a big concept to wrap your mind around, but there's a lot of money in that university. I don't know if you've ever been to that university or seen what the campus looks like or seen what the facilities look like, but they can put some pro teams to shame. Well, I, I can say this. I, I actually did consider going to the University of Kentucky, and uh, Art Steele was my host when I flew into the University of Kentucky on a private jet. Nice. You know, <laughs> so they do it big. I mean, that was and that was years ago when I went to visit the University of Kentucky. You know, and and the biggest thing other than Kentucky basketball and the Kentucky Derby, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that. Those are the three big things. And it, to in me, Kentucky. It, it makes sense that it's eight years. Wow. It, well, yeah, they want to wrap him up. They don't want to go through what they've gone through the last few years. Yeah, and it's not just about wrapping up. It's about sending a message. It's a message to all of the recruits out there, all of the top players in the country that are right now deciding where they want to go to school. They know that a top coach is going to be at a top program for a long time. They want stability. They want to know that when they come in, that's their coach, and that's going to be their coach for their four years, if they even stay that long, which chances are they won't. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, that is the way it is today in basketball. Not only are the coaches, I mean, uh, you know, the kid at, at uh, North Carolina who's who's broken his scoring records, you know, it's really a joke because the, the fact of the matter is if he was really that good, he would have not have been there four years. He, right. You know, there would have been so much money thrown at him. His parents would have had a hard time to tell him, you know, stay there and, you know, and get your education. Absolutely. You, know, you can always pay him, you know to go back and and now they even allow you to come back anyway but uh you know brian it's been certainly my pleasure to talk to you and you are welcome as always to call me whenever whenever you have a a moment there but uh i think you got some other coaching that you're doing there you might have to get back to doing some of that coaching (laughs) but i tell you what uh, look out for that fat head and if you got a problem give me a call and uh, i will certainly uh take care of that all right enjoy the games ray take care sure thank you I believe I've got um, I've got Eddie Guerrero on the line. 
Hey, Eddie, hey, you there? Hey, how you doing, Eddie? I'm doing great, thank you. Oh, that's good. Now, I, I understand, Eddie, that you, you called me a few weeks ago, and I apologize because sometimes, uh, you know, we get caught up on a couple of different subjects, and, uh, and and myself and my guests, we, we really enjoy speaking to one another, and, uh, and I don't always get to all of my callers. So... Uh, Tell me a little bit. I think you you uh, either participated in terms of bringing some kids out, or maybe a, a, a maybe a family member. But you were a part of a football university, am I right? Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, were you a part as uh, that you had some children uh, of yours, or there's some kids in the community? Tell me a little bit. I actually have two boys. I have a nine year old and a ten year old who participated in both camps, in the USC camp and the Arizona camp. Oh, okay, okay. Well, listen, I know one thing for sure, and I, and I told people this, you know, at football university, that experience that, that I was able to witness and also participate from a parent's perspective uh, was something that, you know, I'll never forget it. And I don't think my son will ever forget it. I'm not sure what your experience was. What did, what did you feel about football university when, when they came here in Phoenix and your, your, your kids were involved? Well, the first time I experienced football university was at the USC um, camp, and that was in the middle of February. So that was an amazing, because we were in the Coliseum. We had tons of older kids out there. Pete Carroll came out on Saturday night with his recruits that were coming in his junior year. It was a great experience. I don't even think my kids would understand what they actually went through. To be on the field with Andre Risen, to be next to um, Bartel, it was an amazing experience that we had to go back to Arizona. To, I believe it was about three weeks later, and this time we took, I think, eight more kids out of our church up there with it. Wow. Well, you know, I, I think it was, um, you know, a treat for the kids. Like you said, I don't think the kids really understand the impact of what's happening. I think it's something they'll look back on it years later. But the instructions that they were getting from the the, the professionals that were on the field well, it's just second to none. And then you mentioned somebody like Pete Carroll. And I know we got uh, Jeff Moser, our East Coast correspondent, holding on. I'll probably talk to him about that a little bit later. A guy like Pete Carroll showing up at a, <laughs> a football, <laughs> you know. But but how did the kids, when they walked away from that, were they ever able to explain to you exactly what that meant to them, what they got out of that camp? Well, for me personally, my 10-year-old was kind of on the borderline. He was kind of getting burned out on football because of, there's so much coaching and, and different camps that go on year-round that we kind of participate in. And to have it at this caliber with the technique and skill that actually boosted his confidence. Exactly. There were so many high school kids out there that were really the elite force out there. These kids were amazing. They were taller than me. And I thought I was pretty tall for being Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, always proud of my 5'11 height, but these kids were like 6'2", 6'3", and they were just running all over the Coliseum. No, there are some uh, elite football players that show up at uh, football universities, uh, events that they have across the country, and they're, they're actually, you know, teaching clinics. I, I like to call them teaching clinics because they, oh, they teach more than anybody else I've ever seen. And it was a combination of the film that they were just going through every morning. It was a classroom time, and it was just the high-tech equipment that they had out there. Um, just to have uh, the Athletic Republic out there and with the lasers and timing their 40s and having the bags out there and really stretching them out and giving them that one-on-one -on -one attention that these kids need at this age. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's important because I, I'm a true advocate for early intervention and to break old habits before they even get started. And you mentioned your son's 10 years old. Now, that may be a, a bit young, but that's still okay because he can break some of those old habits before they ever get started. And and hopefully he'll be able to retain some of that information that he got from those guys. I got music, Eddie. We got to take a break. I'm sorry if you hold on. I'll bring you back on the other side of the break. Oh, Listen, absolutely. I wanted sports. to make a comment about that whole non-professional sport at the collegiate level. Oh, okay, well, we'll talk about that. On the other side of break, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I'll be right back after this message. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right from high school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com i can take care of myself i can make a peanut butter sandwich i can brush my teeth and i can give myself a bath i can walk home alone from school I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference most valuable player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. we're back maybe you guys can turn that feed up a little bit i can uh barely hear it a little bit but um of course we're listening to rail of sports on the voice america network i am ray ellis and i of course got some good guests on the show with me today and uh 
I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, before we, we went away, I started talking a little bit about something that got uh, a, a former USC uh, student and now an alum of the university. It got Eddie a little excited. And Eddie, I was talking about, uh, how should I say this? Uh, non-professional college sports. <laughs> you know, I guess <laughs> that's the best way I can, I can put that in. And, and because you're dealing with some young men, uh, who one day may grow up to be a professional athlete. And I think it's something that Football University tries to address as well. Uh, it's a thin line uh, in terms of what the alumni can and cannot do in terms of their influencing uh, young people about where they want to go to college. And uh, I think you were telling me that, that the university there at Southern California, they do address your, your alumni about you know crossing the line? Oh, absolutely. They, they allow, they, we're not allowed to do like certain internships or employment opportunities or even kind of offer meals or anything like that for any type of pictures or attention that it might get or kind of stray the, the prospect over to the school. Now, you know, it, it's interesting they say that because I guess all the money that you guys perhaps maybe may spend on nice dinners for the players, you know, to take those those athletes out to dinner or something like that. I guess now they give it to the coaches because, you know, you got a basketball coach out here who signs a, perhaps maybe a $35 million contract. You know, and you have some kids who come in there, you know, obviously to get their education. Many people think it's free. It's not free. I, I want to emphasize that. It is not free because it was free. The person sitting next to the student athlete in that class uh, would also have a, you know, scholarship, but that person doesn't. That person doesn't have to go to practice. That does, person doesn't have to play football games. And, uh, you know, he's free or she's free to do uh, what normal students do that are not part of the athletic program, that's enjoy their, their life as a student in college. But, I mean, do you think it's right that you can't, as an alum, if you, you know there's a guy who's, uh, you know, from the East Coast and he goes to school at University of Southern California and you want to take him out and have a meal, you think that's right that you can't do that but you can pay a coach $35 million? Um, I don't personally, to be honest with you, because as a student, I, I'll talk as a student because I, I went to, I attended class next to a lot of these players out there and I was able just to kind of talk to them in the hallway and even if, if I knew they were going to be, future NFL players, I still, every so often, oh, let's go grab a burger or let's walk across the street to Denny's. And that's just something you kind of do casually. But as an alumni now, then they kind of give you a little bit more stricter rules on that whole concept of it, on who you can take out or what you can do. You know, sometimes it may have been a decent friendship from a grad student to a sophomore in college, junior in college now. Well, we'll be honest, Eddie. They're not just talking about dinners. I mean, I, let, let me not act naive. You know. I'll, I'll go a little bit further. You can't buy them the Mercedes Benz. You can't, you know, can't buy them the Porsche. You can't put them up in the condo on the beach. Okay, those are the kind of things you can't do. But you certainly, by paying a guy thirty-five million dollars, you can afford him the luxury of doing that. And I'm just saying that, you know, it seems to me as if, uh, you know, there's something wrong with that. You know, maybe the, the the lifestyle that a college player is living now, maybe it's, you know, more in tune with the kind of money that they bring into uh, college sports. Well, I said professional sports. Uh, but it just seems if the money is, uh, at least at the college level, uh, I'm not sure it's making its, its way into the, you know, into the right pocket. So, Southern Cal, you guys got a good program out there. I love Pete Carroll to death. If he take my son after Ohio State turned him down, I'd love it. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. But I appreciate you calling about Football University because I am an advocate for it. It's, it's one of the best, you know, operations I've ever seen at that level. 
And, you know, I would send my kid there. I'd send any kid there. And, I, you know, I, I want to commend you on the work that you're doing with those young kids out there as well. Oh, I appreciate it. And then if we could just give out their footballuniversity.org and self-nominate. If you're, if you're not a coach or if you're just a parent, self-nominate your, your son or daughter out there and get them out there on the football field. Let them learn from the greatest out there, those who play professional football. You know what? I think that's a USC alumni guy trying to push some kids in there to become good football players so they end up at USC. So, but I can, I can appreciate that. 90% of recruiting for students come from football. Come on now. There you go, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Hey, I think I got Jeff Mosher with me. Jeff. Hey, Ray. Hey, what's happening? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing good. You know, it's just uh, I guess I'm getting a little excited about, you know, the, the Final Four. But, uh, you know, I'm also getting a little excited about you got, you got people that are out of work. You know, you got people that are losing their jobs. You know, we, we're bailing out everybody. And here's a guy, and, I, and, I, and, you know, first of all, did Dan get his job back yet on the MySpace guy? Has Dan got his job back in Philly yet? Dan. Dan is the, the Facebook guy. Dan's the Facebook guy in Philly that Jeffrey Lurie fired because they called him, you know, uh, f- you know, didn't appreciate the fact that they got rid of Doc. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not uh, well, well connected with that situation. I mean, I know about it wow. very, uh, as you explained, but well, I don't know. Dan needs to get his job back. And I said I was going to stay on it until he got his job back. And I don't know if I can help him, but I'm certainly trying. But let, let, let's move to this $100,000 question. I mean, Jay Cutler, $100,000. I mean, if nothing else. And, I, and I'm upset with the league about this, too. First of all, the, nobody would have known that he missed out on $100,000. Because he missed ten percent of the off-season workout, unless the Broncos put it out there. In, in your true, opinion, I think it's. I think people know now that. I mean, there have been many instances where guys have been docked money or lost money because they didn't show up to. Yeah, but you don't know situations. what the figure they, is. How do you know? I mean, the figure makes. You don't look, know what the figure is, but you know that it's usually a, fra- a percentage of a contract, and you know that they make millions of dollars. So you can all guess that anybody who misses is going to to lose out on pretty significant amount of money to what amount to you and me you know maybe not to jay cutler maybe not to terrell owens but to me you know you know what jeff you know what i'm I'm going to agree but i'm also going to kind of disagree on that because i think Uh right now the the rookie minimum is close like maybe 175 you know that's almost a a salary of somebody and you know when he said he's Mm -hmm. missed 10 percent of of the off-season workout it's not like it was 10 days that he missed you know what i mean it wasn't like it was 100 days of off-season workout and he's missed 10 Right. You know, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fraction of 10 that he's missed. And it was $100,000. If nothing else, Jay Cutler, the, again, the people who are, who are advising these young players nowadays, $100,000, all because of your, e- is it the egos? It's been, you know, beat up. What is it? You know, when you make that much money and you have that much self-confidence, I'm guessing, so obviously I've never, you know, don't walk in those shoes, I, I you know, I, $100,000 is just not that much. I, I don't think people who make the type of money that Jay Cutler and people who make even more than Jay Cutler, I don't think they have the perspective that the average you know, Joe the Plumber is, uh, has you know, of, of how difficult it is to, just to make a dime in this economy now. And it's unfortunate, and um, it's discouraging. But well, well, those you know, are the I, kind I'd of love things. to say that it was, this was the first example, but it's not. Well, those are the kind of things that, again, I think timing's everything in life that you do. And, and those are the kind of things I just don't think the timing is right. And even if, if I were the team, there are certain things that, that may leak out. And, of course, you know he's being fined. To what extent he's being fined, the public doesn't have to know that. Simply somebody could say, is he being fined? And they could say yes. Yeah. You know, but for them to release a figure of $100,000, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I think that's just, you now, know. Did somebody that, release that, or did somebody just look into the contract and say, here's what Cutler made, here's the time he missed, and then just did the math? Well, if you say somebody looked at the contract, you know, I think from what I recall, and this is here recently, this, the figure of which you compensated is released, not the ins and outs and the terms and conditions. Oh, totally you, a different you know, era. I, mean, I, I can tell you that there is a website called eaglescap.com that has the contract for every single uh, salaried employee uh, player of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Not just the overall money, but the breakdown of contract and money. Who, and who puts that out? Bonus. Uh, his, the man's name is Bryce Johnson. I've never met him. But where does Bryce get that information? I have no idea who he is. I've emailed him before. I'm guessing he purposely keeps a low profile. I don't know who his sources are, but I know that when you look at the money and then you see the reports of who's making what, it all adds up correctly. So I no, see legally, I, Jeff. I would, I would, you know, and I'm not a lawyer, but I would guarantee that legally that is not. It's got to be illegal. I would think so, too, but I don't know if anybody... I mean, the man's name is on the website, and I don't know that anybody's taken any type of legal action against him. Well, I think, you know, it's probably because most of the people are not aware of the fact that somebody... You know, we got on, we got on Donovan McNabb because he didn't know the fact that the game going to... <laughs> you know, it was over after two overtimes or, you know, right. after one overtime, you know. But you would think that, yes, salaries are released. I remember one time I walked into the locker room. And uh, and my good buddy Andre Waters, God bless his soul, says to me, you know, Ray, I mean, he runs down my salary to me. And this is, of course, when Norman Brame is trying to, you know, run me out of town. Right. And he runs it down to me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, that's not what I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, he said to me, Ray, see, you're lying. I said, well, I yeah. Trey, come on. No, the, you know, the sheet. And that's what the players call it. The sheet came out today. And so the sheet basically gives you a breakdown amongst the players Mm-hmm. To share an information about contract negotiations and what a person got and you know how they were compensated. So he busted me. I lied. I said no, I didn't get that, but I did get that. But <laughs> so the, you know that's right. <laughs> so yeah. So the players are, are provided with that information to share for, for contract negotiations. You know, but you know for the general public to have the details of that that's personal, and I I, I just think that's that's a true invasion of privacy. But I I just thought that I the, never understood why it was relevant to the fan. You know, I, I've never understood why a player's salary was important. I understand in a salary cap era, a fan wants to be concerned whether teams are overspending on this and not addressing that, but there are, uh, I don't know how many teams there are, almost every single team in the NFL is so far under the cap that they can afford any player they wanted. I mean, most teams are. Most teams have more money than they know what to do with it. <laughs> the Eagles are $38 million under the cap. They could sign, they could trade for Julius Peppers tomorrow, make him the highest-paid defensive end in the league, and still figure out a way to bring Anquan Bolden and make him one of the highest-paid receivers and still have money under the cap. Well, Jeff, it's interesting you bring that up because I want to talk to you on the other side of the break because you and I you know, had an a, a offline discussion mm-hmm. about gambling. And yeah. and with the gambling, I connected the gambling to salaries. And you just said something about, you know, why a fan would want to know about a player's salary. I know why they might have wanted to know and might have questioned it years ago. But we're going to tie it into today's game. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I got music. Got to take a break. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I'll be back on the other side of the music. Thanks. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. I'm Lori Tucker with FedEx. Did you know that one in eight babies is born prematurely and more newborns die from premature birth than any other cause? Well, solutions are within our grasp. Together with the March of Dimes, we can find the causes of premature birth and help moms have healthy, full-term babies. Join the March of Dimes and FedEx by signing the petition for preemies at marchadimes.com slash petition. Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports all righty we're back to listen to real sports on the voice america network of course uh before we went to break we started to talk jeff and i started to talk a little bit about some gambling stuff but uh just again uh, you know the final four of course you know in detroit before we go back to the gambling Final Four in Detroit. I mean, Detroit, if there's ever a chance for them to uh, uh, showcase their town, their city, you know, the metropolitan area to try to get people enthused about coming in there to do business, to help bail them out. I mean, they are going to have the national spotlight, you know, for a long time. They got the Final Four, you know, Michigan State, of course, is there. Uh, and then they got the first pick of the draft, you know, and uh so, you know, the spotlight is on Detroit, and it'll be on them for a long time and, and hope they can find themselves out of that mess that they get themselves into. But, Jeff, we were talking about, and I hope they don't uh, turn to gambling, but <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were starting to talk about something in terms of, you know, salaries and, and why would, uh, you know, people be concerned about players' salaries. And, and, and a week or so ago, you and I talked a little bit about some gambling stuff that was becoming an issue. And, and I told you that from my perspective, the gambling and it being tied uh, to sports where people would be concerned about maybe the sport being compromised. In my opinion, I thought it was only because they thought perhaps maybe a, a player could be bought. But because of the salaries today, I think a player just makes too much money. 
Uh, and so, therefore, it wouldn't be beneficial to a player. Uh, but but gambling, is that still an issue there in the state of Pennsylvania, at least, or, or the state of Delaware? They were considering it, and, and did it pass? And, and why do you think they're concerned that it would compromise the sport? Gambling is happening every day. Yeah, well, and that's it does happen every day. And, um, you know, a lot of t- a lot of states or governments see gambling as a way to be a quick erase of a of a budget, of a debt. And they're doing that, and they're, they're proposing it in Delaware right now, which is $700 million in debt. They think they can wipe that out by, by, makes, by legalizing sports gambling, um, which and Delaware would be the only state east of the Mississippi that's allowed to do it because of some act that was put in 1992. But, um, it, but in Pennsylvania, they're trying to put casinos in Philadelphia, and they're trying to put casinos in the, uh, in the Poconos. But those wouldn't be... Um, you wouldn't be allowed to place wagers on sports in, the, in those areas. But why, um, Jeff, but why, I mean, why do they think it's going to compromise the sport? I mean, right now the Final Four is going on. Do you know mm-hmm. how much money is being gambled on this Final Four? Mm-hmm. So why do I, they think, why I are they concerned? You know, Ray, I don't. I don't think, I think the NFL has to come out and publicly condone um, the legalization of sports gambling. But um, I'm sure deep inside, Roger Goodell knows that a very significant Part of the interest of fans in, in his in his sport of football is due because of gambling. But Jeff, let me ask you something. I, and I don't even I really don't understand mm-hmm. why those people that are concerned about the gambling, you know, are really concerned about it. It's not like it's a a, a new you know amount a pool of money that will be now available to be gambled. The the money is the same. It's just redirecting that money mm-hmm. to the point where it could benefit you know some municipalities. And, and you know states and and and, and you know across the well, entire who, who, country. Who are the who are the people when you say? Well, uh, you know, from you mean the NFL? Yeah, 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 those kind of people that are concerned about it, you know, tarnishing their game. How, you know, why would you not be forward? I mean, if you well, know I, what's I, happening, I, you wh- think you have to. If you look at the NBA, I mean, I think, like I said, they're probably not as ups- against gambling as they are, but they have to publicly be because anytime you have, if you had the NFL saying in support of any type of sports gambling, anytime there's a bad call by a referee, anytime there's something that seems not right, you're going to leave there yourself open to speculation that there's some kind of something in cahoots going on or there's some major corruption going on if you don't try to at least publicly distance yourself from that kind of activity. Well, look, I, at the, I, look at I, well, what happened in the NBA with the referee. Okay, I mean, well, now how about this? That a bad call is, is not just a call on the court it's because somebody's got some money probably somewhere okay well how about this how about okay it's illegal for all those except those who participate i mean if, if you're a referee you can't bet on a game i'm not asking that the players or the refs or the coaches or the owners be allowed to bet but that everybody else be allowed to bet and we know that they are, i mean anytime somebody sees a flag being thrown at the end of the game anyway mm-hmm. you know it always comes into question you know, regardless. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, everybody thinks the game is fixed. You know, we right? always say we don't want a game to come down to the wires and the referees, you know, make the decision as who wins and who loses. You know, and, and that's something of which, although many people don't want to accept that, uh, I, I don't believe that the ref consciously does that. But I think in his heart and his mind, and, and sometimes her mind, when a game is down to the wire, they really don't want to throw that flag or blow that whistle. 
I, I don't think they really want to do that because I right. think they want the teams want to the actually play. play and actually feel like they've earned it. But a foul or a penalty still earns it. You know, uh, something that's out of the strike zone. You know, hey, it, it's a ball, so you got to you got to you get you can't compromise yourself. But I do think they become consciously aware as the game boils down and it's a close game. No, I, I I certainly think they do, and I think they know whenever there is a controversial call at the end of a game that they're going to hear a lot of criticism that there is the fix going on or there's you know there's something more behind the call than just what the referee saw on the field and that's probably why they try to the NFL wants to distance itself from the from the sports gambling uh, culture. Well, what do you think? I, I kind of like the thing that they have on the NFL Network. And on the NFL Network, what they do mm-hmm. is the, the guy comes on on Monday, and he kind of takes a look at some calls that perhaps maybe were controversy calls. Right. And, and he calls, you know, as we say, a spade a spade. If, if the yeah. guy made a bad call, he made a bad call. It, it's like the guy in the office with me here. You know, he says to me, you know, Ray, many times, you know, you got these guys that play ball, and they're either they're commentating or they're reporting. And, you know, they really don't call it the way it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't agree with that. You know, I, I always want to, you know, retain my professional perspective and have, you know, somebody respect my opinion because I'm going to tell the truth. And I think it's OK for those refs to get on TV, you know, the league official to come out and say we blew the call. Yeah, I think it's a helpful tool. I think it, it, um, it appeals to the human side of being a referee and how difficult the job is and then being able to admit that you made a mistake um, makes the league seem a little less arrogant about itself, especially when it comes to the, the calls and the things that get fans really fired up. I think that's one of the better things they do is come and explain why they made the call, what went into it, whether they did it right or not. Yeah, it's a good idea. I agree. Yeah, and I think, you know, and, and it's the same thing with the player. I mean, I, you know, I remember calling the game one time. My son was playing. He was wide open and dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, the only person I remember calling the game that his son was playing is, I think, Bob Gracie has done that. I don't know if anybody else has done that. Perhaps maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong on that. But, you know, there's some emotional attachment there. But, hey, he, he dropped the ball. Right. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, it was a touchdown. You know, wide open, would have been a touchdown, just just dropped the ball, you know. And and I think many times, you know, when the athletes are playing the game, you know, they, they understand the fact that they're going to they're, they're gonna be criticized Sure. If they don't make their plays. And, sure. and and referees should not be exempt from the fact that, hey, if you made a bad call, you made a bad call, look at it, and don't try to defend it. It's like, okay, I didn't see it from that angle. The other guy didn't see it. But now that we see it, well, on replay, you know, it was a bad call, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when it comes to the gambling, I think that would eliminate any questions because not because they just know they can go in on Monday and say they made a bad call. Mm-hmm. But because this thing does exist, and the NFL Network has done a good job, nobody else I'd ever seen before it did anything like that. But mm-hmm. I, I thought that was, uh, you know, a good piece of information they were giving to their fans to let them know, as you said, there's a human element to this game, and, and we make a mistake every now and then. Mm-hmm. And it, br- it, it brings credibility. Listen, before we go, because I think we're going to be winding down here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Final four. Are you going to go with Villanova? Is that going to be your professional opinion? Or no, because, well, I mean, you don't know this, but I'm, uh, you may not remember. I'm originally from Connecticut, and I was, I was born and raised on UConn basketball, so this has been a wonderful tournament for me. Um, I do believe UConn will beat Michigan State. I believe North Carolina <clears throat> uh, will beat Villanova, and then you will have a UConn-North Carolina championship game. And who will win that? 
Do I have to pick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to want to jinx my team. Man. All right. You heard it right here on Voice America Sports. <laughs> I appreciate that. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I appreciate Jeff joining us. Hey, I hate to say this, but you guys know I say it all the time. I got to go. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. <laughs> 